Hello and welcome to another edition of the China in Africa podcast. I'm Eric Olander. And as always, I'm joined by Kobus van Staden of Witz University, who is in his final days at Central European University in Budapest, Hungary. A very good afternoon to you, Kobus. Good afternoon. And a very good afternoon to Ahmed Diem, who is with uh, Greenpeace Africa as an ocean campaigner based in Dakar, Senegal. Kobus, I think this is the first time that we're going to Dakar and uh, the first time that Ahmed is on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Well, we are thrilled to have you on the program today in order to talk about a brand new report that came out from Greenpeace Africa called Scam on the African Coast. The Hidden Face of Chinese and Joint, Vessel, and Joint Venture Vessels Tonnage, Tonnage Fraud in Senegal, Guinea-Bissau, and Guinea. Ooh, that's a mouthful. <laughs> but aside from the tongue twister, it is a fascinating report. The report exposes how Chinese fishing companies underdeclare the gross tonnage of their fishing vessels, allegedly overfishing off the coast of West Africa in a way that is both apparently inequitable and illegal. The report goes on to allegedly expose... expose the over of the fishing in three countries, Senegal, Guinea-Bissau, and Guinea, as we mentioned. Uh, Greenpeace Africa speculates that the practice likely persists in other countries as well. So, Ahmed, uh, you know, this report is a damning report. It's not the first time that we've heard about uh, Chinese overfishing in Africa. We've also talked about Chinese shark fishing off the coast of Madagascar. Uh, we've heard about off the coast of West Africa. There's a very particular issue that you bring up in this report, though, and it's not just about the environmental impact from overfishing, but it's the underdeclaration of their gross tonnage. The Chinese fleet is also depriving these the host governments along the western coast of tax revenue or of, of, of fees that go along with this gross tonnage. So I think because this concept of gross tonnage is so important in your report, and it's fundamental to understanding the, the problem here, it, it's kind of a boring question, but I'd like you to try to explain to our audience what is gross tonnage and why is it so important in this particular issue? Okay, so uh, what we understand by um, gross tonnage is I mean, uh, the, the inside capacity of, of a vessel, you know? So uh, all the space inside the vessel, you know, uh, uh, is called the gross tonnage. So this, I um, mean, the gross tonnage is it's very important. For example, if you come to Senegal or in West African, many West African countries where the fishing licenses are based, you know, on the gross tonnage. It means that uh, more the gross tonnage of a vessel is uh, is big, so more the vessel has to pay for this for the license. This is one thing. The other thing also is that, I mean, uh, 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 based on the gross tonnage of vessels, so the, the fishing areas are, 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 I mean, identified. So it means that if more the, the gross tonnage of a vessel is big, so uh, far the, this vessel should go to fish because of this, its impact, you know, on the marine, marine environment. And uh, my, uh, in the ecology, so it means that I mean uh, by under declaring this tonnage, so those companies they are just I mean uh, 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 fishing without paying what they should pay normally, of because I mean uh, on license, and also they are fishing in areas I mean, normally uh, I mean, normally uh, where local communities have to fish fish. Yes, so that's 
little bit uh, the importance of the gas tonnage. So the report is very interesting in the way that it lays out how this is not only happening now, but it's been happening for a long time. Um, can you give us an idea of the scale of this problem, particularly as it relates to the Chinese companies that you were look, looking at? Yeah, um, uh, based on how researches of our study, so we, we, we only focus on Chinese companies. And uh, the first case that we identified in Senegal, I mean, is uh, in 1988. So, uh, and uh, so since 1988, this under declared uh, declaration of of cluster energy is ongoing in Senegal. Um, uh, but we uh, we don't know if effectively it's only Chinese company. Uh, but we can assume that uh, maybe the problem is more is, is bigger than what we what 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 we identify and what we show in how in how in how report so that's why we 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 are asking you know west african states to 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 i mean to to take concrete action for for example to, to investigate this this uh, this footage to also to identify responsibilities and also to know how big is this problem and if this problem also uh, uh, is related to others' company from others, others, uh, others country. Sure. Now we're going to talk about your recommendations towards the end of the program, but I'm just curious that about why you focused on the Chinese. Is it because the Chinese are the only one who are under declaring their gross tonnage, or is it because they're the largest? What was the reason for focusing on the Chinese? Yeah, uh, we have uh, many reasons. Uh, the first one is that uh, uh, uh Africa I mean, opened uh, an office in West Africa for the ocean campaign in 2010. So since 2010, we already exposed uh, a scandal uh, I mean, uh, uh, concerning the European fleet. And uh, the, last, the second one also was a scandal uh, with the Russian uh, Russian fleets in West Africa. So this is how how third scandal. So uh, and we decided to focus on on uh, on the Chinese Chinese uh, vessels. Okay. So and, if that's uh, the point, if I could interrupt you, how does the Chinese compare to the European and the Russians? That based on your research, what's the context? Yeah. Uh, yes. What, what we identify is that I mean uh, we we didn't uh, have information. You know. Showing that uh, European or Russian are uh, are, in, are uh, involved in uh, gross tonnage fraud, but sh- uh, but we have uh, evidence, and we since I mean uh, for a lo- long time that Chinese vessels uh, were doing were underdeclared their their gross tonnage in the region. So we just I mean uh, try to 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 find the evidence of of this assumption, which was very I mean. It was made by 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 others, others stakeholders also in in the region. Um, so one thing I was wondering about is, seeing that it's been going on for so long, I mean, you you dated back to the late 1980s. Why hasn't the governments of these West African countries? Why haven't they done anything about it? I mean, they're essentially these these foreign fishing fleets are essentially stealing from them. Why aren't they investigating it or shutting it down? Uh, 
yeah, that's 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 the main question that I mean uh, we are also asking. So uh, yeah, because uh, this this can happen, you know, uh, uh, if the government or I mean I think some department of the government uh, 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 were not aware of of, of the situation. Uh, it's clear that uh, there is something wrong some some somewhere, and someone also decide to to keep the silence or to to let these things going. So that's why we think that uh, only an independent investigation can 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 show I mean the truth on on this issue. So uh, you know also that I mean fishing the fishing sector in the region in the West African. It's very complicated, and uh, we are talking about lack of transparency, so corruption. So there is many, you know, many things that uh, can, of course, uh, allow this kind of, of of activity. You know, last year we spoke to one of your Greenpeace colleagues. Uh, I think it was in Cameroon about uh, over uh, logging Chinese logging in Cameroon, and Cobus and I. At the end of the show, when we got to the recommendations that Greenpeace had, we, we kind of scratched our head because all of it implied that there was competent governance on the Cameroonian side in this case. And let me just read through your five recommendations and get to this question of governance at the end. Uh, so recommendation number one that you say in your report, the governments of Senegal, Guinea-Bissau, and Guinea need to immediately carry out comprehensive investigations into the alleged gross tonnage fraud by Chinese fishing companies. Recommendation number two, the government of China is to immediately carry out a comprehensive investigation into the alleged GT fraud by its companies operating in Senegal, Guinea-Bissau, and in Guinea specifically. Oper uh, recommendation number three, all West African coastal states to immediately investigate potential gross tonnage fraud into their fishing operations with foreign flagged or owned vessels. And number four, all states to verify the GT of vessels flying their flag, and all coastal states to make public the list of vessels authorized to fish in their waters. So here I come back, I read these, these, uh, you know, these recommendations, and I think, wow, you have identified this incredibly serious problem. And at the end of the day, the recommendations seem rather weak, because you're asking governments that are either incapable or unwilling, or both, both from the Chinese side or the West African side, to take measures that they have clearly not taken and don't plan to take. So I guess, I'm, is this the best that we can do for recommendations? Is a hope that China will crack down on its vessels, which we know it won't, or that these African governments on, in, on, on the coast of West Africa will take action when since 1988 they haven't done anything? Yeah, I understand your I understand your question. So, but we uh, we think that I mean we have to keep in mind that I mean even China and uh, West African countries they are uh, trying to 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 implement better fishing I mean governance. You know, uh, for example, actually in China they are trying to see how you know they can uh, uh, have a better fishing governance. You know, fisheries legislation, fisheries I mean. Uh, uh, fisheries uh, management system. So uh, what we are asking is that today China is trying to to set up uh, better fishing management in China. So it's time also that China uh, stop exporting what he, what uh, I mean uh, the, what is the causes of of the of the depletion of Chinese fisheries uh, Chinese fisheries. 
So, for example, we want China to follow the European, I mean, uh, way, Europe with the uh, common fisheries policy, you know, where steps are taken to, to avoid this kind of situation. So, and actually, China is uh, claiming that he, it is one of the best friends of Africa, you know, through this, this China-Africa relationship. So we think that, I mean, if China um, uh, effectively uh, care about African uh, problems and care about uh, um, uh, China-Africa relationship, which, which, according to Chinese authorities, is a win-win partnership, hmm. so China should also do its best to its best to avoid this kind of situation. Well, For the West African country also, uh, things are moving slowly. Uh, because some conventions are signed, you know, between coastal states, but we need a concrete, I mean, implementation of those actions uh, and those uh, those uh, those uh, engagement, so those commitment, so that we can we can avoid this kind of situation. So yes, yeah, sure, it's it's a very difficult, uh, I mean, thing. You are much yeah. more optimistic than I am because I have not seen any precedent for what you are yep. talking about coming from the Chinese side, whether it's on ivory or logging or sharks or anything. And so I just, I worry that the these Greenpeace conclusions oftentimes rely too much on hope and idealism and are not rooted in practicality. Kobus, what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, you know, I might, I might differ slightly from you in the sense that we did at least see the, you know, kind of, for example, small, admittedly, but the the ban on serving shark's fin at official banquets, for example. So I don't think it's impossible to, to get the Chinese to move on this. But we are uh, asking uh, here, for example, in West Africa, especially in Senegal, is uh, for the uh, citizen, you know, for the fishing community, fishermen communities, uh, to to be ready. I mean, to defend their their livelihood. So I think uh, in 2012, the Senegalese uh, fishing fishing communities showed a very, uh, 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 I mean, an interesting example to the world when they during the election period they asked for the next Senegalese president to take care of the fisheries. Uh, you know, if if he wants them to support to support its his program, and uh, and we realize that I mean, uh, and they 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 did with Greenpeace, you know, uh, big actions through the the country. And when the president Sal comes, he he I mean he respects his his commitment to the fishing communities, and he decided to cancel all the foreign fishing vessels, you know. Uh, fishing licenses in Senegal. But actually, I mean, since there is no foreign vessel targeting the Sumbul Pelagics in Senegal because of the mobilization of fishing communities and all the Senegalese people, you know, to ask to, I mean, uh, for an end, an end of that. And we think that we can do the same with this issue if all the Senegalese uh, citizens and the fishing communities, because they are very powerful, power in terms of, of election because, of course, of what they can ask for government, you know, for change. Uh, and I think if they mobilize themselves, so we can have something.
in Senegal. You know, Kobus, I bring up, you, you brought up an interesting point here that the concern is not necessarily as much on the Chinese side as on the African side. And I'm thinking about the recommendations that Ahmed and his group have made in terms of asking the Chinese to investigate. And it brings up this question, we, we've talked about this in Zambia, for example, how the Chinese embassy in Lusaka has their head, you know, on their, their hands on their head just with frustration over the behavior of some of the factories and some of the mines there that are out of the scope of, of jurisdiction in many respects of the Chinese government. And so the question is, let's say the Chinese follow Greenpeace's advice and say, we investigate. And they come up and they say, you know what? You're right, Greenpeace. There are vessels that are Chinese flagged or Chinese owned off the coast of Senegal that are doing this. But we don't have the enforcement mechanisms to actually do anything about it. That's really the host government's responsibility. So at the end of the day, we come back down to do these African governments off any of the coasts have the means or the will to actually enforce their own laws? And so, Kobus, could you make the same argument that that's the same as shooting elephants and shooting rhinos and tearing down forests and doing all these things, that the Chinese may or may not have the ability to do anything about it, even if it's identified that Chinese actors are to blame? Well, I think once once China has put the the level of political will behind the investigation that it would take to actually launch such an investigation, then that implies that they might be able to de- to devise to find new forums to work with African governments and to build capacity in Africa. You know, so I think that that opens up new potential. Um, Call me skeptical on capacity building, (laughs) the greatest buzzword of the development world where, you know, we've seen a half a century of capacity building from the West in Africa that hasn't really led to very much, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that that's the problem. Yeah. The, you know, kind of the, the, the problem, I think, is that if it's not coming from Africa, then it's you know kind of it, it won't work because africa has such a long toxic history of having stuff imposed on it um so you know kind of if it's not if it's not organically growing from africa then there's no chance uh, you know i think the it this links this issue links up with with the migrant crisis i think because you know there there has been there's a long stream of research showing that a lot of these of of people who end up dying on the mediterranean on trying to make it to spain um you know started off from west africa where their where local economies were devastated by foreign overfishing and i remember reading reading those reports already you know 20 years ago um so i think you know kind of the you know, kind of once Africa, once it starts becoming not just about abstract resources and about revenue from fishing and so on and tax revenue, but also about the actual people, then, then you know, that changes the, the conversation. But, you know, I mean, it's that, that's always a long walk in Africa. Yeah. Um, Ahmed, what, what do you think? Yeah, I totally agree with that. It, it will be a very long walk so, uh, here in Africa. And also... Uh, I think that I mean things the change I mean should come come from Africa you know to to go outside and uh, that's why also um, we are uh, closely working and lobbying West African I mean uh, uh, states uh, because they are I mean organized in a Brazilian Fisheries Commission with very interesting I mean activities and very interesting recommendations. So we are trying to push, I mean, to put pressure on states to to accept and and to implement those recommendations. But at the end, the, I mean, the 
what we realize is that I mean, uh, even if they are uh, publicly, they talk about uh, they talk uh, about uh, transparency, they talk about uh, I mean better fisheries management. Uh, so we realize, we realize that I mean uh, after work uh, they are just continuing continuing to do I mean the same things and yeah it's um, it's a little bit difficult to work in such situation but we we hope that uh, uh, with uh, civil society mobilization, uh, we can change things. The report is called The Scam on the African Coast, The Hidden Face of Chinese and Joint Venture Vessels, Tonnage Fraud in Senegal, Guinea-Bissau, and Guinea. It's an absolutely fascinating report. You can find it uh, on the greenpeace.org website. Go to Greenpeace Africa, and you can find it there. Uh, Ahmed, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to get involved in this campaign and they want to learn more about uh, overfishing and gross tonnage uh, fraud off the coast of West Africa and the role that the Chinese are playing, what's the best way that people can can engage Greenpeace Africa? Yeah, I think we uh, the best way to engage with Greenpeace Africa is I mean we have we actually we uh, we launched a petition an online petition you know. Uh, asking for better uh, fisheries regulation, for example, in Senegal, so people can join this, join us, and send this petition. We think that if we have more, more, uh, more people, you know, signing, it can make difference. But also, I think uh, we have to also people have to keep in mind that I mean, uh, uh, fish is uh, actually, I mean. Fish trading trade is something very complex, so uh, be sure that you know what you eat, be sure that you know where this, this fish comes from, so be sure that you are a good consumer, so, and uh, together we can make a difference. That's very good advice. Ahmed Diem is an ocean campaigner based in Dakar, Senegal, with Greenpeace Africa. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you. And Kobus, if people want to follow what you're doing and engage with us, what's the best way to uh, get in touch? They can find us on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash China Africa Project. We update uh, a constant news stream of, of new China Africa related reports every day. Um, and you can all find me personally on Twitter at Stadenesque. That's S-T-A-D-E-N-E-S-Q-U-E. And you can find me on Twitter as well at E-O-L-A-N-D-E-R. I'm tweeting the top China and Africa headlines almost every day. Also, we've got a great weekly email newsletter to stay on top of the kind of top stories in China-Africa relations. We include a, a podcast of four or five news stories plus an academic or think tank report. So if you just don't want to get too deep and want to kind of get the headlines, that's a great way. Head over to our website, ChinaAfricaProject.com, and you can sign up right there, or you can sign up on Facebook as well. And if you want to follow this podcast, you can head over to the China File website, the fantastic Asia Society uh, China-focused blog and site. Uh, we post our podcast there every week. Or the easiest way, go to iTunes, all the dots and Ws for Apple, and just look for China Africa Project, and we'll come up very, very quickly right there and just press the subscribe button. And we would be so grateful. It's a plea on our from us to you if you could leave a, a review or a ranking because that helps other people find the podcast. So we'll be back again very soon with another edition of the China in Africa podcast. Thank you so much for listening.